No tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. No surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. Welcome to Darken the Page, a podcast for lovers of writing and the creative process. And now, here's your host, Dave Buda. Welcome to Darken the Page. This is the first episode of Darken the Page. And before we begin, I want to tell you a little bit about why I started this podcast and what it means to me. Myself as a writer, this is the podcast that I want to listen to. I am fascinated with the creative process. I love hearing about people's quirky methods and and what their daily routines are like. And to me, when I get to hear creative people talk, whether they're writers, uh, artists, songwriters, anybody, I'm always most curious about their creative process. So I said, I would love to really dive in and spend an hour talking about the creative process, much like Inside the Actors Studio, um, a, a show that I really enjoy myself. So this here is called Darken the Page, and Darken the Page, you'll find out later in this episode, comes from a guy named Steve Chandler, who's my first guest. Steve really means the world to me. He is one of the people who has taught me the most um, in lots of areas of life, but also writing. I read I read the, my first book of his about three or four years ago. I emailed him, and we started this relationship that has lasted over the last three or four years. I've been part of his programs. He's taught me a lot um, as a coach, and, and also I've really picked up a lot from his writing style. Um, I definitely encourage all of you to check out some of his books. Um, if you want to see links um, to the things we talked about, um, they're going to be in the show notes. If you go to darkenthepage.com slash 001, you can see more about that. So without further ado, here is Steve Chandler. About Steve, because he's, he's, he's been sort of like a self-help father to me in a way. Um, I, I started by reading one of his books, I think it was three or four years ago. It was the 17 lies and I emailed him and we began this relationship and, um, I actually, I actually named this podcast after something that he had said that stuck with me as a, as a creative person. And, and it's the advice of, of darken the page, which, which really is, I think is, is, is giving us the most permission to screw up or to make something horrible, which to me really produces some amazing results when we actually let ourselves fail. And so welcome to the show, Steve, and thanks so much for everything you've done for me, and I'm really excited to have you. Well, thank you, Dave. You know, you've inspired me as well. It goes both ways. I admire your songwriting, and you sent me a very inspirational email that I've acted upon many times afterwards, so so I'm very glad to be here. Yeah, it was such a pleasure to to meet you in that music space and really, really get to get to see a different side of you too. It's, it's really wonderful. Mm. Yeah. So tell me a little bit how you got started as a writer um, and maybe why you got started. Well, I believe um, that it, it began when I was very young and I had a lot of social anxiety. I was afraid of talking to people. And so I used to write notes and write letters and, hide behind that and that was my best way of expressing myself when I was younger when I was a boy and I'd leave little notes under people's pillows and things like that 
And then as I got older, I got jobs that um, had writing involved. I was a sports columnist for a newspaper for a little while. I wrote songs for five years. I was a copywriter with an ad agency. And then finally, at the age of 49, 48, I began writing books. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of came along. It developed as an early defense mechanism. And then I, once I'd uh, really got to the point where I could express myself better on paper than I could in person, I, I just kept going with it. It's so funny. I, I have the same experience. I mean, I consider myself a pretty outgoing person, and yet I still see how I, I love using writing as a replacement for actual conversations. And <laughs> is that there's this funny moment when, when I was in your, your coaching school and, you know, for the first t- when I heard the first time you, you give the advice, you know, if, if you're having a, a conversation that's, um, that's more than just some logistics with a client, give them a call. Don't email. And there's right. this kind of this gasp in the room from all, all the writers and people that have like really relied on their writing skills for so many years. And I was I was one of them. It was like, oh, no, <laughs> this is this is yeah. why I started writing so well. Is he see or is he serious about this? You know, and uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and it's just a matter of maturity and evolution that the um, if, if you can write really well, if you have a mind to and you have enough of a purpose you you can express yourself in any format, including sitting with someone or any other, getting them on the phone. The beauty of getting people on the phone or in person is you've got all the voice tones and all the expressions, mm-hmm. so it's a much more expressive format than writing alone. But yeah, it, it took me a long time to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, me as well. And, and I noticed that too. I actually worked with a guy who was an Indian guy, and it was pretty socially awkward and then when he would write i mean he would he'd sound like a like a french renaissance man or something it would just be like who is this guy this is he's incredibly expressive he's using you know he's he's expressing his emotions and he was actually more emotionally expressive in his writing than he would be in person in some ways and that was really interesting so yeah yeah (laughs) so i'm curious about um where you are now. So, I mean, here you are, um, years later, books later. Um, what are some, what are some, what are some things that, um, you still think about today as a writer? What are, what are some things you still remind yourself of? What are some, what are some of your, um, your kind of mantras to yourself today? Well, the two guidelines I like to use, one of my favorite writers of all time is J.D. Salinger. (laughs) And, um, he had one of his characters and he wrote, Catcher in the Rye and a number of other books that I think are a lot better than Catcher in the Rye, but that's the most famous one. Mm-hmm. He had one of his characters um, talk to his brother, and his brother was a writer, and his brother was kind of uh, hung up on what to write next. And his character said, write the book you would want to read right now. Mm-hmm. That's the book you need to write. And I've always used that. Like, what book right now would I want to read? What would I want to read right now? And um, that, that isn't there, that isn't already out there. So that's, that's one guideline I like to use. Mm-hmm. And another one is what uh, Gary, Jerry Garcia said of The Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't, do, don't try to do things better than what other people do when you, when you create or write. 
do something no one else is doing. Don't just do something better than someone else. Do something nobody else is doing. And um, I love that because that's a bigger challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost the same thing. It's like write what isn't out there. What, so when I got into this uh, field of personal development, whatever you want to call it, inspirational writing, mm-hmm. um, there were lots of self-help books and things that had inspired me. But um, I really felt that nobody was writing books in, in a really plain-spoken way, the way I would want to read a book. Mm-hmm. They, they were always kind of like uh, these pumped-up secular evangelists or morticians or, or, or people who um, were feeding their books through a committee and then through a computer and then back through a committee before they came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to do something more personal than that. So, so I've used that as a guideline. What, and even with the book I'm writing right now, um, I... I've been working on it for a while because I don't want it to be like my previous books. And, mm-hmm. and it, there's a tendency for things to go there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really, one of the things I really appreciate about your writing, and it, and it seems to be indicative of kind of a new wave of, um, of personal growth writing, is this idea of leading with, with your, just your humanness. And and then there were I feel like there was this kind of generation um, that led from the expertise, and then now we see a lot more people really leading with their own failures or their shortcomings, and just letting people in on their experience, and then us all getting something out of that. And and I really you know that I could see that the way that's been shifting, and and and, and you've been doing that for years, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, and I I think that. Um, what I wanted to convey was, um, if I can do this, anybody can. Yeah. And and I didn't. And I was getting the sense from Wayne Dyer and Tony Robbins and those people that these were people who were Boy Scouts and who really knew how to do this stuff for ever since they were little tiny boys, mm-hmm. and never looked back and never had a a moment of doubt. Yeah. And uh, and that, so it was hard for me to, I, I mean, I could be inspired, but I couldn't really get the sense that I can do this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And when I had a coach powerful enough to show me that I could do these, these things that I didn't think I could do, I was so excited and I wanted to share that with the world because I really did think, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful message. So let's say I were to follow you around with a, a video camera for the day, or let's say I was a journalist and, and I was studying you as a writer and, and tell me about your, your average day or what, what would I see um, if I just followed you around for a few days? What, what does your schedule well, look like? I really mix it up. I do things. I want to keep changing and doing it differently. So my last, my last couple of books I wrote longhand on Yellow Legal Pad because I got a sense that maybe um, not typing into a computer, but maybe um, the way I, I used to write letters and notes and things like that, the most passionate things I used to write when I was younger were always just written out. Hmm. And so I thought it, there might be something physically that goes from the heart 
<laughs> into the shoulder, into the arm, mm-hmm. into the hand, onto the page. Mm-hmm. That that uh, expresses itself better when I'm writing it on a piece of paper. So I experimented with that, and I really liked a lot of the chapters that I got out of that. And and they, they had a sense that other books didn't have. And um, so I'm doing this one even differently. I'm writing this book on index cards. Wow. And I mix it up a lot, Dave. Like sometimes I'll I'll do a uh, I'll talk for an hour and then I'll get a transcript, and then I'll play with that transcript and see if I can find a chapter or two out of that. And then other times I'll do other things. And whenever I had writer's block, which is which is just a silly, self-indulgent thing that um, people mm-hmm. in the arts believe they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I would pretend I was writing an email to a friend mm-hmm. and uh, actually write an email to a friend and then use it in my book mm-hmm. because that would just change my state and free me up. So if you followed me around today, uh, the book I'm writing now, you'd see me waking up early in the morning, standing up at a stand-up desk and writing and just like you, like you're um, show says darken the page. All I have, my only rule is I have to darken a certain amount of pages, mm-hmm. and they have to be dark with writing by the time I'm through. That's the only thing I have to do. Mm-hmm. And even if I'm just writing the words, I'm darkening the page. I'm darkening the page. <laughs> that that works because it means I'm doing what I set out to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious about the index cards. Can you tell me a little more how that works for you? Well, the reason um, the reason I'm doing this one with index cards is I stumbled across a, a word that I really like that describes how I like to write my books, and the word is mosaicist, and that is somebody who um, is who creates a mosaic by using different multicolored tiles and putting the tiles into place. You've seen mosaics. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how I like to write my book. And I I, I was inspired um, by a quote I heard Woody Allen say. Um, he had done a movie called What's New Pussycat years and years ago. And they asked him about, the movie was just wild. It was surreal. It was very funny. But the plot was just all over the place. And, and they asked him, how did, you, how did you come up with such a nonlinear, unpredictable, plot line with all these wild characters and he said well it wasn't originally that way but what happened was um, I had the script I was riding in the back of a cab in New York and I had the script on the way to the first uh, shooting our first uh, scene and the script blew out of the window mm-hmm. and I ran outside the cab and I, I grabbed all the papers and I put them all uh, put them together under my arm, ran in, and we started reading, and I realized they were completely out of order and all that stuff. So I'm sure he just made that up. Mm-hmm. But I thought, now that's that's what I want. I want a book that you can open it anywhere and get a microcosm of the book uh, if you open it anywhere. Mm-hmm. But also a book that, that it kind of flows like a song. It has a chorus that keeps coming up. Yeah, and so I want both things. The reason I'm writing with index cards is 
I, I get to shuffle around with the index cards. So like maybe my last chapter is, I think, oh, that should be the first chapter. Mm-hmm. That's the chapter that's really going to hook the reader and get them wanting to read the rest of the book. So now, very easily, I take that index card and move it to the front. And are you actually writing the chapter on the index card, or is it just the title? Well, I've got the chapters on all kinds of papers and things, and I'm copying them over onto the index cards. Oh, nice. And and one of the things that um, I, I learned the hard way, I wrote this book that I really wanted to say something, and I gave it to my coach, and he he's really hardcore, high-energy, taking-no-prisoners kind of coach, Steve mm-hmm. Hardison. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want you to read this book. I want this book to do something really powerful for the reader. I don't know if it does. And so he said, okay. So he read the book and uh, very carefully, and he returned it to me, and I said, what do you think? And he said, I would rewrite every sentence. <laughs> it's not the first time he's done that to you, is it? <laughs> uh, n- well, never to that degree. Oh, to that degree. And, and I did. Hmm. I went back and I rewrote every sentence in that book. And I'm glad I did because it turned out to be a much better book. Mm-hmm. But that's the last book I gave him to look at. Oh, that was the story I had heard. I had heard that story. Okay, yeah. I thought this was the most recent book. I said, wow. No, no, no. <laughs> that was that, that book. That was a book called Fearless. Yeah, uh, and so, so I one of the reasons I want it on index cards, and I'm writing it is because I'm I'm copying it over very carefully from what it was. So, so I'm writing this book more like a song than mm-hmm. the other books. It's more like I want it to have a certain meter in in it. Mm-hmm. I want I want it to have some res, resonant subtitle. I'm just. I'm playing with it because I, I don't want it to be like anything else. That's that's my key thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that I've I've noticed for myself is um, uh, my latest my latest writing tool that's really been working for me is is using Evernote, which is just kind of a note taking system. But I have the app on my phone, and mm. writing on my phone has been really great. And it, and I can't understand why because you know all logic and wisdom says writing on your phone is just a crazy idea, but for whatever reason my mind gets the idea that when I'm writing on my phone it doesn't matter it's not serious. Oh, good. It's like texting a friend or send, mm-hmm. making a Facebook post, and I've written some incredible chapters on my phone, <laughs> and I don't really like to write long chapters either, which is something that that I really got permission for from from reading a lot of your books um because i i can make the point and then you can move on and that's okay yeah um and so yeah writing on my phone's been really interesting but um but i love the index cards and and i think the index cards speak to the brevity of is is that also true for you yeah yeah they help me with the brevity i i think people read differently than they used to mm-hmm. and so when people used to read novels they could the if if you read some of the the novels that used to be very popular, the the chapters are long. The par- even the paragraphs are very long. Yeah. So so people had very uh, different kinds of attention span, and they were much more linear in the brain. But um, Twitter and texting and emails and posting on Facebook have have changed the way the brain apprehends the written word. At least in my theory that's my opinion my guess mm-hmm. 
And so people don't have a lot of patience for um, some kind of theory that's developed over page after page after page or some kind of linear piece of work. Yeah. And um, so, so I think the index cards are, are helping me remember that and, and holding me to having every sentence. I don't want any wasted sentences. And, and great writers like Hemingway used to write that way. They, they would not waste, if one sentence wasn't necessary, or if they found a sentence where a word was longer than it needed to be or a sentence was less plain spoken than it could have been, he would rewrite it. And he was a very bright guy. It wasn't like he couldn't write like F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's just that he didn't want to. He wanted his books to hit a different uh, place in the heart when they were read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I've got a few questions, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hearken back to something because I know we both um, watched this, but I, I, I really love the Inside the Actors Studio show. And... Um, and I know we both actually really enjoy that episode with Robin Williams too. It's really brilliant. Um, so, what turns you on as a writer? Well, um, boy, that that changes so rapidly from day to day. That just changes so much that I don't have any uh, anything that I can say. Do you mean as subject matter or what inspires me to write? Are you, yeah, I think you know what 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 inspires you to write. What do you find that that really lights you up and has you excited for for creating? I I like um, human potential really turns me on and honor. There various forms of honor hmm. turn me on. Um, expressions of love and creativity, bravery. What do you mean by honor? That really turns me on. Things like that. Yeah. What do you, What do you mean by by honor? What does that mean to you? Somebody who uh, will drop concerns about how they're coming off in the name of something bigger than that. Some somebody who'll stand up to something, mm-hmm. um, or who will be willing to risk something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that turns me on. I love that. Somebody's willing to risk something. So I'll, I'll see a performance. When I was young, um, and none of your listeners will remember this, but when I was young, um, I grew up in the Eisenhower era, and, and a lot of films were made afterwards that depict the 1950s, like Mad Men and things like that, and mm-hmm. and how kind of plastic things were, and we were all in suburban America and all of that. But it, but there was a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. And it was all kind of buttoned up and phony and everything. Uh, and when Elvis Presley came upon the scene, see, there was kind of an underground thing outside Detroit where we would listen to um, black music stations, and we weren't supposed to, mm-hmm. and it was just considered a, a guilty pleasure, and there was something really sexual and exciting about it. Mm-hmm. And when Elvis came on the scene, showing you don't have to be part of the black culture to sing like this or to express yourself this fully, this form of self-expression is available to everybody, and. Nobody really got, nobody gets now how much he 
he was risking by being that crazy and that out of the box that mm -hmm. he was such an outlier mm -hmm. to be a white person singing like that and performing like that because so many people followed him that people look back on Elvis and they see they see uh, films of him in Vegas and stuff and they think what's the big deal he's like Justin Bieber but fatter <laughs> but but he wasn't. He was something really unusual. And, and so those kinds of things um, where people break through, even the racehorse secretariat, you know, that's a horse. Mm -hmm. And they were debating, what's the strategy? How do we do it? And they finally said, let's just let this horse run. How about that be our strategy? He loves to run. How, how about that as a strategy for this race? And he won the race by 37 lengths. Mm -hmm. And those kind of things, they, they make me cry. Mm -hmm. So that's what lights me up. Yeah. That kind of unexpected performance. Mm -hmm. Astonishment. Unexpe the unexpected uh, expression of the, of the human spirit, or the, it can, not just human, but just the spirit of being alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that's true with, um, with a lot of artists. Um, where if you see them, if you don't see the how they got started, um, it's there's a there's a different kind of appreciation that's possible when you really see someone how they got started. You know whether it's like yeah. maybe maybe you know maybe growing up like for example I didn't I grew up and I didn't really get Prince and I and I saw okay I saw some of Prince's music and then but then I kind of retraced and I saw the movie Purple Rain and I saw I saw what he went through and I saw like I saw how he began and that that mm -hmm. made a whole difference whole different story and how I my appreciation for him and and I could totally see the same thing with Elvis because and and through through you actually I've gotten a lot of appreciation for Elvis and and what he did and and it's that courage that that it's not it's not as obvious 20 years later when everybody's shaking their hips you know it's like right, well, right. I, I didn't you know realizing what that took and the kind of heat he must have gotten um, is really, really incredible. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's true in all the arts. It's true. Uh, someone like Jimi Hendrix. Now the whole world just plays wild acid guitar and everything, but, uh, he, he was just beyond measure when he came out. It was, it was, uh, in a way it's, it's a, it's, it's a form of, it looks like a form of insanity. Mm-hmm because it is so outside the realm of accepted behavior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you do it just for its own sake, it, it, it's not very inspiring. But when it's also astonishingly beautiful as mm -hmm. well, when, it's, when it expresses something really beautiful, then, then it's really amazing to me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think one of the reasons why it's so important to, to understand what these people were really about, you know, Jimi Hendrix um, and and Elvis is is that when we when we take what they did and then and then and then incorporate it and it's we can do more than copy it when when it when we get what they were about. So let's say for El for example, if if I were to copy Elvis, but I didn't really know what Elvis was about, you know, I might wear rhinestone clothes and I yeah. might sing in kind of a lower voice and and I might shake my hips, but I don't really understand what Elvis was really about. But if I understood what Elvis was about, I would I would look at the things that I wanted to express 
and I would yeah. and I would look at society and I would say, what do I want to express that my mother and a, a group of people would not be uncomfortable would not be comfortable with, and how can I how can I actually like how can I be inspired by who this person was, not just what they did, and and I and I love that distinction because I think too I think too often we have we all we all are we we play covers we, we do that we do become cover bands for people yeah. or artists but we don't really understand that if if they were to you know if, if someone were to be a cover artist of me someday and i got to meet them you know i, I would i would be a little disappointed because i i don't you know it, it's not the to pay true to, to really pay tribute to people is to is to follow follow who they were and not not really just copy what they did yeah 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 you know? right. i hear you yeah yeah okay what what turns you what turns you off creatively what are some things that just dim your light well um let me think about that a little bit i i the, I, I jump out of it so fast these days that i don't i don't remember much of it so if i if i if I see my my co, the guy I've written songs with, who's all he's a comedian and a songwriter and really a brilliant creative artist. Mm -hmm. We refer to um, this as bad magic, mm -hmm. and uh, it's and that's what turns me off is bad magic. So it's it's like watching a magician, but you can see what he's doing. You can see where he reached and got the the bird that he's pulling out of the hat or something like that. So he's a bad magician. Mm -hmm. So I would say that bad magic turns me off. So somebody who is doing something in, in a really contrived way. So just, just for, in, in a way that, um, is, there's no real self-expression in it. It's, it's, uh, it's so self-conscious. It's such an attempt to win approval. So, for example, if you just look at one of these TV shows that where they have, like The Voice or American Idol, you see a person out there singing a lot of runs, and they're they're doing all these pyrotechnics and calisthenics with their voice, mm -hmm. but they have no they there's no connection to the lyric, and and, and there's um, it's just it's it's technically good. You can see what they're trying to do, but they miss something. They miss the whole point. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of writings that way these days, I, I've, I've thrown so many books across the room. I've got these damaged books, and I, I, <laughs> you know, I would like to take them to goodwill and let other people read them maybe, but they're, they're broken, the spine is broken or something, because I'll read <laughs> the first three pages and throw it at my wall. <laughs> Because the the writer is telegraphic, he's trying too hard to write something that will have him look like, or he's trying to look like a writer. I guess it's um, mm -hmm. it's. I used to call it resembling mm -hmm. people who try to resemble, like someone would try to resemble a public speaker. So they'd go out and they'd tell a joke, and then they would uh, have a have a PowerPoint with bullet points, and they try to resemble something. Yeah. And instead of just connecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of reminds me of like bad it, advertising. You know, it's it's. Yeah. Like, oh, there's so much of that. Like Geico, uh, Geico commercials. Yeah. 
that yeah. turns me off. Yeah. And it, it's almost like when I see that stuff, I get this feeling of like, how stupid do they think I am? I mean, truly, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I feel like somebody must be buying this, but it's certainly not me. Yeah. 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 yeah that's interesting. That kind of stuff turns me off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what would you say if I asked you, how do you experience um, the zone? So when, when you're, when you're feeling that momentum, when you're, when you're in that space, um, what does that feel like for, for you, for Steve? Champagne and methadrine. <laughs> so uh, I can only come up with drugs, sadly, just like <laughs> the, the gorilla who you, they taught how to draw, and he could only draw the bars on his cage. Uh-huh. Uh, sadly, I, I come up with drug references when I'm in the... So the zone is something that I can only say what I've heard other people say. It, it feels like it's coming through me. The the writing, and sometimes when singing a certain song or something, it feels like it come it came through me mm-hmm. instead of came coming uh, being deliberately calculatedly created. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I get into that zone, when I'm darkening the page, I can't write fast enough because I'm trying to catch it all. Yeah. Yeah, I have that similar experience where it's it's almost like you're 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 being pushed by a river but but you're going way faster than you thought. So it's like, "Whoa, whoa." And then there's just this force behind you in a way. Yeah, and and I think every single human has access to that. Mm-hmm. It's not just Mozart who described melodies coming to him. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that. And that's that's the whole unified field. Mm-hmm. of infinite creativity behind everything. And the trick is um, to re- to relax enough or, or to relax your grip on looking good and being winning the approval of whoever's going to read what you're writing, to relax that enough to to allow that to come through. Yeah, you know, as I think about it, that it, it seems that the trick is how when it hits like what what do you do you know because it hits everybody but how how do yeah. you how do you respond when it hits so it's kind of like a it's like coming out of the gate um as a horse rider or something like that when it's like when it's go time like how do you stay on the horse uh, yeah, yeah 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 and and it scares a lot of people and most people would would pref- you know they 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 would rather have other people be artists and creators because mm-hmm. it's scary territory. Yeah. Well, it's a, you, you don't get the, you don't get to choose what the horse does. You know, the horse is just right. going. <laughs> and it's like, right. well, if you didn't like that, that's it's not how it works. You don't get to you don't get to control it, you know. And you don't get to count on it ahead of time either. That's yeah. another scary part. Mm-hmm. You don't get to um really truly. I mean, it'll it'll you'll find out that it'll, if you put aside a certain amount of time for your for your creativity whatever you create it it shows up it won't let you down but but when it shows up and your control over it is almost nil mhm mhm yeah and, and i i totally see that how the you know your need to control it is is inversely proportional to the amount that you're going to get from it yeah 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 
you know, it was, um, I, I heard Tom Waits say something about, um, you know, his relationship with this, this muse. And, you know, it, sometimes it, he'll be driving down a road and, and all of a sudden something will hit him. And he's just not, the, this is not a good time, you know, and he'll say something <laughs> like, like, this is not the time for this. Like, come on, I've, right. I've got other things to do. Like, please come back later. And it just doesn't work like that, you know, apparently. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some what are some other things you know the index card's really interesting what are what are some other sort of quirky things that that you've found yourself doing over the years wh- whether it still works or not or just kind of interesting ways that that you've that you've experimented with um with with having your having your the writing be easier and and flowing better you know i've experimented with so many things i used to do uh, one of my favorite authors years ago was William Burroughs, and he was part of the whole beatnik, uh, Jack Kerouac on the road, and Allen Ginsberg Howell with his poems, and the, the beatnik era in the village in New York City, and it was a wild time in America because um, things were breaking through creatively. Mm-hmm. And William Burroughs was a writer who uh, was also a junkie and a drug addict, a brilliant guy, though. But he used a a cut-and-paste method of writing. He would take, I mean, he would just write and write nonsense, and then he would cut it up, and then he would reassemble it, and he would have the beginning of one sentence finish and then take another sentence randomly and finish it. And out of his cut-and-paste, he would come up with these surprising uh, poetic things and hmm. um, and so I used, I used that any any trick to get me out of linearity and to get me out of logical solid as brickwork stuff to get to get me playing so the key thing is to play uh, like I watch my grandson playing and he just free associates Mm-hmm. And we'll say the next thing that comes in his head, and he'll burst out laughing. He'll surprise himself. Yeah. And it, it, that sense of play, I'll, I'll use anything to get there. Mm-hmm. And I, I've tried all kinds of things uh, with songwriting and book writing and things like that. But um, sounds like it, magnetic it, poetry. My, yeah, it sounds like magnetic. What? Sounds like magnetic poetry a, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot like that. Which was made up by Low-tech a which was version. created by a songwriter too, right? for because he was doing that for himself, and he's this is a, this is a tool he used for his own songwriting. And I actually I've I've started a few songs with magnetic poetry, and and one of the things I really appreciate about those songs is is that sense that they're not linear. It's not really predictable, and and they don't really yeah. make a lot of sense, but they they kind of do. But they have an ambiguity to them where people could you know. I always see that there's there's this, and I think I I think about songwriting a lot, in this sense that um, some of the best songwriters just write things that don't make sense, and I love it. Yeah. And yeah. I never understood that because you know as a songwriter I I would always try to try to communicate in a way that was clear, and yet then there was these some of these lyrics. I mean, some of my favorite lyrics are just nonsense, right. and and the fact that they had the courage to just let that stay whether it was from a you know a moment of inspiration or a bad drug trip or breakup or whatever happened where they were kind of out of their mind um it's amazing to see what happens when 
when we have just this kind of, you know, not, I guess nonlinear is a great way to put it. It was like these lyrics, I mean, that don't make any sense, but we love them. And I don't know why we love them. There's joyfulness in those because, because John Lennon was really good at that. I was listening to one of his lines this morning, driving down to Tucson, and it was in, um, with a little help from my friends. Mm-hmm. What do you see when you turn out the light? I can't tell you, but I know that it's mine. Yeah. And that, that's just so funny because it is, it's kind of pathetic and, um, and nonsensical. We don't really know what he means, but we sort of do. And he's winking at us. And, uh, and I love that. Leonard Cohen is especially good at that. And Bob Dylan at his best was good at that. And Cole Porter was wonderful at that. Yeah. I, there was another line from Hey Jude. I remember actually hearing Paul McCartney talk about this, how I don't know if John Lennon or Paul McCartney wrote it, but one of them wrote that line, uh, the movement you need is on your shoulder. And mm-hmm. it, it, somebody, the, the guy that wrote it said, this is crap. I don't, I don't, I don't even like it. And the other one said, no, that's, that's the best line. Like that is mm-hmm. brilliant. <laughs> and it really doesn't, I mean, the movement you need is on your shoulder like that. That could be interpreted so many ways. And so, it's, yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's true that that's what we remember. We remember the word, you know, pompadous, pompadous of love, you know, with like Steve Miller band. It's like what we, he made that word up. I mean, literally like, it's yeah. like Shakespeare, you know, it shakes Shakespeare must've kind of gone through the same thing. And he's like, well, I'm just making up all these words. Uh, but I'm going to keep doing it because people seem to like it. And, and, and sure enough, it becomes, it just becomes part of the culture. Yes. I don't know if pompadous has made its way into the dictionary yet, but it could. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but, it's, but it's just a joyfulness. It's a joyful abandon. There's a sense of abandon. I'm abandoning common sense here. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see you make up a word in your next book, Steve. You think you could just slip it well, in there without um, anybody noticing? or? I, I just might do that. I like the word mosaicist because I, I, I don't hear people using it uh, as I check out of Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, 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 a, you know, that's a good place to do some research for some other words that nobody uses, too. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, right that's right. Yeah. Um, you, know, you talked about some really great influences, and I'm, I'm curious, um, is there anybody else that comes to mind in terms of, and not even necessarily writers or songwriters, but other people that have influenced your creativity? Well, I, um, my friend Fred, who I wrote songs with, uh, and also he's a comedian, he and I did all kinds of comedy together, and still do. I was with him today. I got back. I went spent a couple hours singing with him and having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's been a huge influence in my life. And he sang a song for me today that he wrote years ago called, called Knee Deep in Disease. Mm-hmm. And he, and the song, the first line is, I'd rather be knee deep in disease than to have you walk out on me like that again. Mm-hmm. And, it's it's just this wonderful whimsical song and and so I like, so he's an inspiration Leonard Cohen is a huge inspiration to me JD Salinger Dylan Thomas was just absolute amazing amazing heart mm-hmm. but also just explosive grace with words 
uh, and and so people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Huge inspirations, many many singers. Um, there's a song that Damien Rice wrote, "The Blower's Daughter." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, it was part of the, the end of the soundtrack of a movie called Closer, mm-hmm. where Natalie. Portman is walking down the street, and that song comes up, and I almost died of just being overwhelmed. the uh, The emotion of that, and then seeing her because she she was so beautiful in that movie. Mm-hmm. So things like that. Yeah, that really is an you incredible song? song. It's so gripping, and it's just like oh, you know, and and it's actually heard. I, I heard it most recently a guy do it on The Voice and it just be- yes. it became massively successful. Actually, I don't know if you watched this season of The Voice, but I, I tuned in a lot because uh, Luke Wade is a guy that I've played a lot of music with and, and friends with and he was one of the guys on it. But, um, you know, it, it's so gripping and, it, and it's one of those songs that, you know, you're, I imagine if, I, so if I were to perform that song, part of me would go, I don't know if people are going to, like, you know, it's a soft song. It's not, it doesn't have a lot of, like, you know, classic things that would grab people's attention. And yet it's just so riveting. People just yeah. drop in and they, they're, yeah, it's an, it's really, yeah, it's beautiful. And Damien Rice too, just the way he, the way he, I feel like, you know, and, and that, I remember the album that that came off of, it was an album called O. And the, the recording of that song too is phenomenal. He, you could just hear everything and it's so soft and delicate and the the breathing and even just the way he ends the song on this kind of like just almost like falling apart it's really really gorgeous yeah yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely right mm-hmm. yeah I, I, so you know, things, things like that really inspire me mm-hmm. uh, I just see that and I say what am I doing what am I doing Look, somebody <laughs> does that but yeah I, I need to rise up yeah yeah, I find I find songwriting and, and poets um, do so much for my writing. And and uh, there was a point too where I would, if I was writing something and it wasn't that long, you know, and I put it in the context of poetry, it helped so much because mm-hmm. it gave me it did a couple things. It gave me permission to to be brief and and profound, <clears throat> which as a writer just took me a while to allow myself to not write those long paragraphs and and you know come up with a, a seven hundred page you know masterpiece um and so when i think of myself as a poet um i don't a i don't have to make sense <laughs> so it's like right. I, I can just write nonsensical things and it doesn't matter sure um i, I can i can i can i don't have to use proper grammar um I, you know i don't it doesn't have to be long and i can use esoteric metaphors and people it's like the onus is on the the reader to get me instead of like mm-hmm. me to me to make sure I, I explain it perfectly to the to the reader and and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. That would be a good songwriting exercise is to write a song that if given to ten people that they'd have ten different completely different interpretations of it. Mm-hmm. You know? That'd be really fun. I did these things called uh, I did this thing called a songwriter lock-in, and I would bring together um, ten musicians, and we'd write from nine a.m. to five p.m. And what I have everybody do is put a hundred dollars in a bucket, and for every song we wrote, we'd get ten dollars back. So we had wow. to write ten songs in the day, and then we'd share them, and then we'd play them for each other afterwards, and then do a show where you had to play at least like two of the new songs you wrote. 
And um, and I had some exercises like that, you know, so like an exercise like sing sing an entire entire song in a falsetto voice, or use these two chords, or you know play up uh, you know on the the top half of the neck of the guitar or whatever. And um, yeah, I love these little prompts. They they really are beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you could go back in time and maybe to your late forties when you started writing books, or maybe even earlier than that. Um, what are what is one thing you would say to yourself, and or if you could give you know slip slip a note, a mysterious note, um, onto your desk, and you wouldn't know who it was from, but you you got to write something to yourself back then that you would have read and kept with you, um, knowing what you know now, what would you have said? Well, I would have used Robert Frost's words that I that I found a few years ago, mm-hmm. that I that I put up on my wall so that I see it every day. And uh, he said, no tears in the writer, no tears in the reader. No surprise in the writer, no surprise in the reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been so true for me, too. And, and I think I heard, I heard you say that maybe about a year ago. And um, it's, a, yeah, I, I do find it's... And it's so unexpected too the things that move me when I write them, and and I love mm-hmm. I, I love that connection because it's it's not you know sometimes the way I I think about that is it's things I think will make people cry will make people cry and it's not that's not what he's saying he's saying you get no. moved they get moved and and why you get moved or why they get moved is not who cares who knows right right you you don't know that. They're, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I so appreciate. Yeah. Was that? Well, I was going to say one, one way I would get myself going because I think for especially for men in this culture, mm-hmm. uh, the easiest um, strong emotion to access is anger. Mm-hmm. At least historically, that's been considered very manly and we approve of you mm-hmm. i mean someone stands up and says here's what i'm ticked off about they yeah tell us <laughs> so uh so i would give myself because that was the most easily accessible emotion some days i i would find that and i would just ask myself okay what 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 just ticks me off these days or mm-hmm. and, and i'd start to i'd find somebody who was a total jerk and just and, and I would just start writing about that person I'd create that mm-hmm. and I wrote a whole book based on my resentment of a certain person yeah. but uh, it was called The Woman Who Attracted Money mm-hmm. and there was a guy in that book who was the villain, it was a, it was a mystery novel and the guy who was the villain is a, was kind of, I was inspired by this guy I was working with mm-hmm. And I just, I, I was, uh, he, he ticked me off. I couldn't write. All I could do was think about him. And I thought, well, he's going in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally know what you mean. And um, I find that I, I realized re- one of the things I do when I get ticked off that people aren't listening. Let's say, I, let's say I have something that, that I know will really help someone, but I just can't get through to them. So I'm like, so what I do is just I write, I write the article that they need to read <laughs> or I write the thing that cool. they need to read and then I put it on, you know, put it on Facebook. And then, of course, you know, through the magic of their algorithm, of course, this person sees it, um, you know, but it, it's um, I do this kind of like indirect 
coaching. Like I can't get through to someone, so I'll yeah. write the article yeah. that they need to hear. And you know, chances are they won't. It won't change their life because they're not open to it, and that's fine. But it's yeah, it's a great source of inspiration. Like I get to yeah, you know put all these thoughts down on paper. Good. You know, yeah, that definitely good. happens a lot. Although it uh, happens less these days because because thanks to you, I've learned how to how to work my way into people's lives in in a nicer way than I used to. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you can put su- you can put sweet things down too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just writing writing appreciation. I I wrote the other day to a to a client that I'd worked with, and and I just. I wrote what I what I thought he really would want to hear at the time. You know, it was like a like a words of encouragement, and and it it really is such a beautiful way to start writing and 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 be inspired. And and definitely several chapters or articles have come out of emails to to clients, especially. I feel like we just we there's like this. I really want I really want this person to win. Like I really want this to work for him. And we're really digging to to do our best stuff to try to make that happen for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're a great writer. You you wrote an email to me that changed things and had me take up a whole new direction with my music that I would never have dreamed of doing. Mm-hmm. And so that was very powerfully written. I have to uh, give you kudos for that and 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 great thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 such a pleasure to to give back to people that that I've received so much from and. So it was almost sometimes in those situations I feel it's so exciting to be able to do that that I have to kind of relax myself just to just to be able to get it out. It's like oh my god, I've got the chance to help someone that that's helped me and this is so incredible. So so I'm really glad it it, it landed, you know, and I didn't explode yeah. while I was writing it or something. So yeah. Well, I I just want to say I really um so appreciate the the time you spent here, Steve. And, um I, I asked you, I think, all the questions I had. Um, but, um, you know, I just, you've, you've role modeled so much for me. Uh, um, and when I, when I look at my writing, you know, it, this is the same thing with songwriting. You know, it, th- one of the things that I always tell people as a songwriter is that I can go through every song I've written and tell you pretty much by word or by the chord who, who are the influencers. Like, it's just really clear. You know, okay, this yeah. is a Stevie Ray Vaughan riff. This is John Mayer riff. This is a, you know, Bob Dylan lyric. I mean, it's it really is, and and no one would ever know because they're they're like three or four layers removed, and so much right. of my writing has has Steve Chandler like written behind you know the the third layer, um, and so I just I really I really appreciate you, and 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 I think the biggest thing that I've gotten from you is this this permission to to have it be natural. You know, if you yeah. want to write short par- short chapters, write short chapters. If you want to talk about yourself, talk about yourself. And um, so it's I really, really appreciate that. And and thanks for taking the time to, to come on this. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're doing a great thing by having this podcast. It's going to help a lot of people open up to their own creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really fun to see. It's it's the podcast I'd want to listen to. So, mm, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks, Steve, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. You're welcome. And so it is Just like you said it would be Life goes easy on me Most of the time 
And so it is The shorter story No love, no glory No hero in her sky I can't take my eyes off of you I can't take my eyes off of you Can't take my eyes off of you I can't take my eyes off of you I can't take my eyes off of you I can't take my eyes And so it is It should be We'll both forget the breeze Most of the time And so it is Take my mind off of you. 
Till I find somebody